Hello, welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Clayton, the host for today's episode, which is being recorded live at ABA Tech Show back here in Chicago, Illinois, 2024. It's been an amazing show so far, uh, catching up with some old friends. And uh, actually, one of my favorite friends to catch up with uh, is joining me now, Jack Newton, of course, the CEO and founder of Clio. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. So you just got uh, done presenting with Tom Martin, uh, a friend of yours, uh, AI in Action, Transforming the Legal Landscape. You guys uh, teamed up, did a presentation, and uh, how'd it go? It went fantastic. We, we had a, a very full room, as you'd expect, for uh, any talk talking about AI these days. There's so much appetite for education, learning, and we felt a lot of energy in the room just around the appetite to embrace AI and to learn about some of the practical takeaways, uh, which is what we tried to equip people with over the course of the talk, which is what can you actually leave this room and use on a practical basis? And what are some of the considerations you need to have around the security and ethics of AI as well? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting approach to it. AI is obviously the topic du jour this year, uh, no doubt. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, as CEO, founder of Clio, I, I think you're in a unique spot to kind of see these trends. Uh, you work with so many integration partners, uh, and obviously you, all, you all guys are always looking for the latest and greatest technology to implement into your practice management platform. And so I, I think it's really great that you're coming by to talk about this. I do have some uh, some philosophical questions sure. about it. Yeah. Uh, in terms, of, and I feel the concern. I think it's a little different than other concerns. Uh, just in terms of the, the judgment of lawyers and things like that. But before we get to my philosophical question, uh, I want to talk about the trends. And so obviously you're in the driver's seat of this and a lot of the change. And so uh, in terms of the billable versus non-billable work in the legal profession, uh, from your from your perspective, where have been the, the big successful implementations of artificial intelligence so far? Well, I think we see AI starting to touch all sorts of parts of the legal workflow. And whether that's even as something as basic as Outlook helping you draft an email with Copilot or Word helping you draft a legal document, we're starting to see these technologies laced into our day-to-day -day use cases and helping us get that utilization rate you're talking about up a little bit over what it was previously. We've got tools like Clio Duo, which we announced at ClioCon back in October, and we're starting to roll out to customers this month that will help lawyers access a natural language interface to ask questions of Clio, ask questions about cases, ask for help drafting a document or generating a document from a, a precedent. We've got AI starting to touch every aspect of the legal workflow. Even if you walk the floor of Tech Show here, talk to any vendor on the floor, and there's an AI story around how they're implementing AI in their platform to help it imp help it deliver results and help it deliver efficiencies to their users. So we're starting to see AI become this really inextricable part of the legal tech value proposition. And you know we're seeing like a Cambrian explosion is how I describe it, of startups and of innovation that really I, I think the last time we saw this kind of wave of innovation and excitement in legal was the cloud wave, which I was privileged to participate in back in 2008, 2009. 
and, and help bring the cloud to legal. And now, 16 years later, it's really exciting to be at the forefront of that next wave of innovation with, with AI. And I think it's going to touch every aspect of legal. And, and to your point around Clio as a platform, with 250 plus integration partners, and many of those now being some flavor of AI integration partners, that value proposition of the cloud is just getting more and more compelling. And clients and customers and uh, you know people on the sidelines are consuming the products that AI is creating, whether they know it or not. Yes. And so uh, you all have the Legal Trends Report, which is uh, my favorite uh, my favorite report in law, just on the legal profession and the business and, and, and just running your own firm. A highly recommended report, but uh, you all uh, parceled off some time for uh, reactions to artificial intelligence. And so you're at, again, another, another place where you've got that uh, front row seat. Right. So what's some of the feedback that clients are, are coming back to their lawyers with and say, you know, I use AI as part of my practice to do research for your case, your matter. Uh, what's some of the feedback that the lawyers are receiving for that? Yeah, well, I, th I think one, we, we see actually a pretty large amount of appetite for AI being leveraged in law firms by both lawyers and clients. And I think for lawyers, they see it as an opportunity to be more efficient, to be more productive, and to deliver higher quality work. I think clients see the same opportunity and expect some of that the, the benefits that lawyers derive from AI to accrue to them because it should result in more affordable, more accessible legal services if your lawyer's leveraging AI. And I think you know, one of the data points from the Legal Trends Report was 35% of clients want to see their lawyers embrace AI. And I think that's actually a pretty strong signal considering we're just a year into this AI journey with, with generative AI and so on we're already at 35%, and that's only going to increase over time in my mind. And I think it's incumbent on lawyers to respond to that feedback from, from clients really saying, hey, it's maybe not just an opportunity, but almost an obligation for me to go figure out how do I make my practice more efficient? How do I make my work product better by embracing AI? Yeah, just a flip side question to that. So the percentage that you mentioned, what's the other percentage of that? So the inverse of that, were they saying we, we don't like it or they just didn't have an opinion? It was really just asking about favorability. Okay. So the other 65% is not saying, hey, this is going to be detrimental, but there's 35% that are favorable. And, and again, I, what I see is there's a large number of folks that are neutral today that I think will tip over to favorable over time once they start to realize this is a win-win. Okay, so before I get to my uh, my philosophical question, I want to ask uh, to share an example, and I think this is um, there's a lot of people out there worried that artificial intelligence is going to take their job or yes. at least make their job less important, reduce their billable hours, and you know people you know they're they're struggling right now, uh, and especially if you're running a brand new solo practice and you're kind of like living month to month basically, and so you you shared this wonderful example at our last meeting that talked about uh, spreadsheets and accountants, and yes. so. What can lawyers that are worried about artificial intelligence getting integrated into their practice, uh, what can they learn from the accountants? Well, one of my favorite sayings is, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And we see this story over and over in technology, where we've seen a trend, we've seen a certain kind of breakthrough moment, and we've seen how technology has been adopted and, and impacted industries before. And I think one of the best examples for us to learn from in the context of AI and its impact on legal is actually looking at how the spreadsheet impacted accountants back in the 1980s. So 
there's a video and an image that I shared from a movie called The Apartment from the, the 1980s, an old, uh, an old movie that showed, showed Jack Lemmon playing the role of C.C. Baxter. Sorry, this movie from the 60s, not the 80s. Uh, and it showed him using an electromechanical adding machine. And this was the work that accountants in the early days did on you know, an or early form of the computer. And they would basically spend their entire day on one of these adding machines doing the work of basically one cell in Excel. And there was a whole building full of these accountants doing the work of essentially an Excel spreadsheet. And then in 1979, VisiCalc was invented. And for your younger listeners that may not have been around in 1979, VisiCalc was the very first spreadsheet. And it kind of revolutionized everything. And there's actually a lot of gnashing of teeth and fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the accountant world when this spreadsheet came out because accountants looked at this and said, this just automated my entire, not just my job, but an entire floor, an entire building of people doing the same work as me is now done with one press of the F9 button in VisiCalc. And is this going to kill the accounting profession or at least dramatically reduce employment in the accounting profession? And what ended up happening was the spreadsheet actually ended up being a huge tailwind for accountants and helped them automate the drudgery of their work and helped them move up the value chain and help them engage more strategically with their clients and really work with them on how do I help you grow your business? How do I help you improve your cash flows? How do I work with you strategically to manage your finances in, in, a, in a better way? And that helped increase overall employment in accounting over the last 30 years. And it's also helped increase the average earning power of an account because they're, they've moved up the value chain. So in the same way that accountants look at spreadsheets as an essential tool for the job and something that helps them move up the value chain, I think lawyers too will look at AI eventually as a tool that's helped them move up the value chain. And fundamental to that premise, by the way, is the idea that we have a vast unserved legal market. So when we talk about AI and automation, we're not talking about a zero-sum game where it's going to take away work from lawyers. We're talking about a positive-sum game where AI will help lawyers be more productive and help them tap into that latent legal market you've heard me talk about before. And the latent legal market, in a nutshell, is the 77% of legal issues that do not get addressed by a lawyer. This massive, untapped, unmet legal demand that lawyers have an opportunity to tap into. And with AI, I really think it's something that will help lawyers be more productive, be more efficient, help tap into that latent legal market, dramatically expand the size of the legal economy, grow it from a $800 billion a year market to a three or four trillion dollar a year market, if we, if we do the math on that latent opportunity, and make more money as individuals because they're more productive and able to deliver more access to justice. So that's my optimistic take on, on the impact AI will have on legal, which is, in a nutshell, to grow the size of the legal economy and to increase the well-being of both the clients and the lawyers and the broader legal professionals serving that legal economy. I agree with the notion of, I think it's a, a great tool and I think it's, it's gonna open up a lot of new markets 
because you can do a whole lot more with less resources. Um, I, I think there's some potential for it to do some incredibly accurate work and make some incredibly consistent decisions. And so I want to transition into the uh, the philosophical part of this. And so I'm ready for this. All right. I, I feel like <laughs> I've got to work my brain here. Well, so a uh, little build up here, a little bit of wind up here for this. And so, um, you know, law represents, at least, you know, in the United States, uh, law represents uh, the consent of the governed. We, we agree to subscribe by a set of rules to live together, whether we live in a town or city or state. You know, there's a certain set of rules that apply to everybody. And yeah. we, we choose to live by those. That's right. And so if we don't choose to live by them, we move, we leave the country, whatever. But while we're there, it's voluntary. And so those laws are created by people for people issues. Right. And so a, over history, the hundreds, thousands of years that we've been around, these, these certain principles we've decided are, are very valuable and we need these figured out if we're going to exist together. Yeah. And so it's really a fabric that holds us all That's together. Right. And so I, I was thinking about the Tesla in terms of artificial intelligence. And so say you've got a Tesla that's self-driving and uh, one day uh, two, two individuals walk right out in front of this Tesla and the Tesla knows that there's no way that this car could physically stop. And they can't turn, it's boxed in. And the only thing you can do is hit one of these uh, two people. One is an elderly person and the other one's a much younger adult. Yeah. And so it has to make a call. Yeah. So it decides. And it does that based on data sets. It does that based on the experience that we program into it. Somebody at some point had to program that into the Tesla, if, if a Tesla could do that. And so it got me thinking about that and just in terms of the role that artificial intelligence could play in yeah. the law. Um, and as attorneys do work and stare decisis, you know, being what it is, with every case, with every matter, everything that goes before a court, the law gets tweaked just a little bit. That's so, right. You know, you got your statute, you got your laws that you vote in, obviously. But with each interpretation of law, it can move a little bit. So the more role that that plays, even if it's a small one, artificial intelligence is beginning to have influence over these laws and rules that people came up so people could live together. And so who gets to make that call? Who made that call uh, you know, in terms of programming the AI and as the AI learns from those big data sets, those large language models? Yep. Is it the choice of the governed anymore? So that's my philosophical question. And because you're uh, you know, an incredible leader in legal tech, I figured you were up for the challenge on this one. So I just wanted to leave you with that. What do you think about that prospect? And I think some of that is why, and I understand people worried about losing their jobs, but I think some of it is, I think some people worry about losing control of right. our laws. I think it's a great question. And I, I think at the end of the day, what we see in AI, because they're trained on data sets that we've produced, we see ourselves reflected back in those algorithms. <laughs> for and better or for worse. For right? better or for worse. And, and often for the worse, by the way. You might remember Microsoft released a prototype of one of its chatbots on Twitter about three years ago. And it had been trained on Twitter as a data set and this, this chatbot ended up being essentially uh, a very biased, sexist, racist bot that Microsoft had to tear down, tear out of the internet, you know, within a day of launching it because it was so inappropriate and reflected poorly on their brand. But when you look at what it was doing, you know, Twitter is a sexist, racist, hate-filled place as well. It was just reflecting back its training data. And I think in the same way, one of the, I think, most under-discussed perils in AI is the fact that all of our biases as a human are embedded in that AI because ultimately that AI is a reflection of us. And all the poor decisions we make as human beings 
that are encoded in our history, encoded in our texts, encoded in our interactions on Twitter and Reddit are now being codified and reflected back in these AIs. So I think it's a really important thing for us to think through and to think through whether there are really specific scenarios where AI could actually be, if we programmed it appropriately, be less biased in the way it delivers judgments, for example. Richard Susskind, for example, talked about in his, his most recent book, Online Courts, around the prospect of an electronic judge. Could you have a judge that could be more neutral and less biased than the judges we see today? And we see very clear evidence when we see large-scale studies of systemic bias in the justice system based on race, based on sex, based on educational background that we would hopefully excise in AI and in systems that are truly neutral and truly unbiased in the way they make decisions. To your example of the Tesla with its version of Sophie's Choice, which person does it, does it run over? You know, a typical human being, like how do they make that decision in a split second? It's either random or it's, it, it's you know, based on some very superficial information. Whereas, you know, maybe if you programmed an algorithm, it would make a very utility-based decision around the fact that, you know, if there was a doctor in a triage office, for example, it would probably be save the young girl because she's got more of her life ahead and more of her utility to society ahead of her. As, as cold hearted as that might be, maybe that's the right, the right decision. But I, th I think the idea that AI in any way helps us sidestep the, the biases and the bad decision we make as human beings is I think fundamentally flawed. If anything, AI reflects back our flawed nature. Well, it's an interesting point you make. Uh, again, back to the philosophical nature of it, perhaps by looking in the mirror, we'll start to fix some of the things that we haven't been able to fix, and we're seeing them very loud and clear. That's right, and maybe if we see it in an AI, it's actually a way of almost having an arm's length reflection on our own shortcomings. Interesting. All right, well, that was very, uh, you know, I learned a lot uh, from that exchange there, Jack. I, I really appreciate that. So we're way over time, and uh, Pamela is looking at uh, <laughs> us, and I'm trying to keep us on schedule. So one last really quick sure. question. I know you have a series of examples uh, related to AI. We've got Lodroy, we've got Clio uh, Duo. So uh, just quick, uh, leave the audience with uh, some information on that, because I think it's something they'll probably want to look into. Yeah, one of the questions we answered at, at, this, at this session Tom Martin and I delivered was, what are some of the practical ways I can embrace AI? And I would just say, you know, go sign up for ChatGPT. Use it to help you draft a LinkedIn post or a, a blog post. Help it, use, use it in a way that just helps you maybe even draft an email. Use it in a way that you're still reviewing the work it produces, but you're getting exposed to the technology. Start dipping your toe into the various ways you can use AI. It's becoming more and more embedded in more and more products. Just be proactive, start dipping your toe into it, play around. But don't forget that ultimately the responsibility falls back to you as the lawyer to vet the work that the AI has helped you produce. Excellent. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lawrence. Always have fun. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, I'm Lawrence Coletti, and you've been listening to On the Road Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.